Okay, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. That's obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. To reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. Here's the thing. Information is power. Information is money. Literally, the currency of today's world of, of entrepreneurship is information. And if you could bring all of the, your, the information about your business into one dashboard, this is incredibly valuable. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of the truth about your business. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. This is so valuable. You just hit a button and you can see all the information about your business instead of having to like call five different departments and get all these emails and put it all together and make sense of it. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math, see how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash james, netsuite.com slash james netsuite.com slash james this is part two of brian keating who you've probably listened to before on this podcast both part one and part two are available today you could download both of them as always a great conversation with brian where i learned so much and heard so many interesting stories so here it is this isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is The James Altucher Show. Brian, you and I, I consider us friends, but we've only met on podcasts. We, we, no, we met. In, that's not true. In, yeah, the TEDx in San Diego. Yeah, we met in person in the green room. Yes, yeah, that was like eight years ago. Yeah, I can't believe but, it. But like, like <laughs> I should spend more time face to face with my friends. You know, you invited me to. Uh, uh, I think it was your fiftieth party. I was not able to make it. Yep. I should have made an effort, more of an effort to to make it. I, I had intended initially to go, and then things caught up with me, and I couldn't make it. Yeah, and I know. Uh, uh, you know, I feel I should be less ambitious. And more about, you know, improving my relationships, improving my mentorships, improving at the things I love doing instead of always chasing after false accolades and things I don't necessarily enjoy doing. Uh, mm -hmm. So this is advice. Have you ever heard this book before called The Five Regrets of the Dying? Yeah. So yeah, exactly. One of those is, as you said, I wish I kept up with my friends. I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. I wonder how many people are actually doing that though. Like, like when you're when you're in, and these are people on hospice basically, or right before hospice at the end of their life. There's some 
caregiver and that's asking a nurse that's asking these questions. I think she's in Australia. It's a great book. Um, I haven't read it, but the summary is just like, I mean, it's one of these books like, you know, it's like the book of the Ten Commandments. You just need to read them, I think. I wish I had let myself be happier. I wish I had the courage to express my opinions and my feelings, and I wish I hadn't worked so hard. So I, I see that. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Nobody is on their dying you know, bed and said, I wish I spent more time on Zoom telecons. You know, definitely agree with that. But the, I wish I had the courage to live a life. How many people do you think right now, James, are not living the life that they want and they're le- leading it because, like an 80-year-old or 70-year-old? people. Really? Yeah, I, I can think. Who do you care about? I mean, like, uh, let's take Jay. You think Jay is living a life, you know, Jay to is like, living the best life he could possibly be living right now. <laughs> Jay has no complaints. Jay, so Jay and I yes. have spent more time together in the last two years than you and I have. We had an amazing Look, Chinese food. Looking for James yeah. is my best time ever. Yeah, it's true. I know. It's, it's pretty. Just, how long have you guys been together? Does he still get you anniversary presents? 2016. It's 2016. 2016. Yeah. We even have, have you our, given him a raise. Wait, is he going on strike? Jay, are you going on strike? No, soon never with on my strike students? with James. Damn. Never on strike with James. James is probably the only employer that I would never go on strike is with. Is this longer than most of your marriages, James? Uh, it's, it's longer than all of them. <laughs> um, so, so my business partner, my business partner Dan, he's my partner in investing, and he's been my partner on yep. several entrepreneurial ventures. He's been on this podcast actually about six or seven times now because we did. Yeah, yeah. And um, we've been partners. Well, he started working for me in late 1999 or early 2000. So he was working for me. But we've been actual yes. 50 partners since 2000, 2001. So that's you know 21 and a half years right now. And we, mm-hmm. we, we have wow. never once had an argument. Now, we've disagreed. We've disagreed on lots of things, but we've never been... Like I've never been upset, angry at him, and and I'm I, I'm pretty sure vice versa, which is a really great. I'm really happy about that partnership. I wish I had more of that in my in my life. J- Jay and I. Are yeah. Like, no. Yeah. No. That, and, and but I think like living a life that's not true to yourself. Like my father, you know. Again, I, I ended up reuniting with him, but he always blamed like his mother, you know, as like a fifty year old. As you know, when I knew him as an adult, we were both adults. Hey, brain, like my mother didn't like even know how to breastfeed and this and, that. and I'm like, you're 50 years old, man. Like, you know, like I'm overweight. Like I, I could lose another don't, 15, 20 right, pounds. You don't seem overweight. I got, we, well, I you? carry it well. I, I I did drop 10, uh, 5'11. Yeah, how much do you weigh? 5'11, 5'12 with the afro. <laughs> um, how much do I weigh? Yeah. That's very personal. <laughs> I weigh oh, north of 200 pounds. All right, so, so well, I could I could it, lose I could lose twenty five pounds and be and be really then I'd be as ripped as you are looking right now. Okay, I I'm at the upper end of my weight in my life. Like so, I'm mm-hmm. five nine and I'm one hundred sixty pounds. So really, I feel like I should be. Normally, I've been about around one hundred fifty, and for some reason now I'm one hundred sixty, and I don't know why. Well, some reason I, I don't know what happened the last couple of years. Well, I thought that you were like I, jogging I six theory, kilometers a day, you know. Back, I wear the same size clothes. I have a theory that I've been working out more, so and muscle weighs more than than fat. So that's true. It does. It does. But you know, when my father would say things like, "And I have one of my one of my sons is like I call him my twin, and he looks like me. He acts like me. He's got the same personality. He wants to have a podcast. He wants to meet Jay. <laughs> uh, but um, and he and he's overweight. As I, I was really overweight as a kid. He's not as bad as I am, and he's much taller. He's like super tall. He's almost five feet tall, and he's just ten years old. But when I um, and I look at him, and I'm like, 
okay, so I was overweight as a kid. Now, if I go to a therapist and we have this like Matt Damon, you know, in Goodwill Hunting, remember that movie? And like, yeah. like if I've learned anything from movies, James, is that to have a psychological breakthrough, a man has to like become completely weepy, teary, and just bawling on his therapist, you know, Robin Williams chair, right? Okay. So like, let's say that's true for me because my parents got divorced. My father abandoned me, he, uh, my, my older brother and me, and went off, created a new life, got remarried, didn't talk to me, you know, did his thing. Then, you know, and, and, and I live with my stepfather who had, you know, he would drink a lot. He would hit, you know, on occasion, you know, you know just discipline. I, I wasn't abused, you know, thank God. And I, I have a lot of respect for what he did. But, but this is just the reality of my life, right? It happened. You know, I was uprooted. I moved five times before going uh, freshman year of, of high school. It was a lot for me. And so you could say, oh, well, like, that's why you're overweight, you know, as a kid. And, and that's why maybe you're still overweight because, you you know, you haven't dealt with this childhood trauma. Maybe I do need that, James. Maybe I need to go to Robin Williams um, and, and just break down, ball my eyes out. Uh, um, and, you know, but, but I haven't. And, you know, whatever. I'm not saying anything negative about psychotherapy. I think it's fine. But then I look at my son you know, he's also a little overweight. Um, again, not nearly as much as I was. He's had like two loving parents, never divorced, never moved, never never lived in a different room. <laughs> you know, uh, goes to great school, has a lot of, you know, and he's like, oh. so in other words, if I'm like blaming my childhood as a 51-year-old man, I think I'm like kind of a loser. And, and, and I think, you know, to do that, like people are like, well, maybe you just need to get in touch with this childhood trauma. And I know you had challenges and you had issues, but like, I think there has to be a statute of limitations when you are like, first of all, I'm like, now I'm taking care of my mother. Like I'm financially, my brother and I, we have to support her. She's in her eighties. Right. Um, and she's not married. You know, my, my father's dead. You know, so I'm, I'm taking care of my children. I'm taking care of my parents. You know, uh, it's very awkward. Situ- and I'm, my career is in like full bloom. Right. And, and I'm doing all these side hustles and, you know, but like, you gotta stop blaming your past. You gotta well, stop blaming well, your parents. That, at a that's certain true, point. but li- living a life true to yourself is more than that, right? Like maybe you're working for a How boss so? who, so you're always mm. trying to kiss his ass because you want promotions or whatever. Or maybe you're married to someone who politically is one way and you're politically another way, but you can't say where where you feel politically because you're afraid she would lose interest in you. Or or maybe you're a salesman, so you're always trying to please the people you're selling. Uh, there's a lot of reasons why, like I feel for from the year 2000 to the year mm-hmm. 20, 2010, roughly, roughly a 10 year period, maybe even longer, maybe 1995 to 2010. I was totally not living a life true to myself. It was only when I really started writing about my own stories in 2010. And, and I, mm-hmm. and I was, I, I reduced my expenses and cause I, I, you know, I had just gotten out of a period of going broke and I, I was able to, and I wasn't working for anybody. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I was able to live a life true to myself. And I've always tried to stick to that, but it's hard, I think, because of so many different agendas. And I think the more ambition one has, the less you can live true to yourself because the more you have to cater to the people you're ambitious about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, do you feel like, the the fact that you weren't oh, that's a specific circumstance. So unless you're totally self-employed or inherit money or you know born, you know on third base, uh, you know at a certain point when when is the statute of limitations when you are out of the nest 
you every decision at some level, like oh, you could have quit. For, for right? me, I mean, I, I you felt pressure that you couldn't, but but you could have quit, right? I mean, I, I didn't wasn't, care what my parents you weren't a slave. The day after I left their house, like when I was 18. But sorry, you didn't talk to them yourself? So I didn't care what they thought. Like, oh, you didn't care. Yeah. Right. So that was living a life true to yourself. So from 18, at least with the 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 vector in the direction of your parents, you were living a life true to yourself. Um, and now you're certainly living. In other words, I guess I'm, I'm just I'm skeptical of these notions of of catharsis that like everything has a root cause, or you know, Freud thought everything was traceable to sex, or you know, Frankel thought everything was traced to like searching for meaning, and you know, they're they're there's there's kind of like like I said, a statute of limitations when you were an adult, and 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 yes, you may have been actually traumatized. I mean. You and I have multiple mutual friends that have been like legitimately traumatized, abused, and so forth, and and yet they're incredibly healthy individuals, and yes. and they've gotten past that, and it's almost like they weren't responsible for what happened to them, God forbid, but they were they're responsible for how they react to it. Look, I think this is really important. Like I wrote a book, Choose Yourself, because it was basically don't let anyone else choose your opinions, your job, your passions. You're anything. And it's the whole book was about that. And, but it was, I wrote it because it was something I had to learn because I wasn't choosing myself. I wanted to be picked and selected. I wanted some group of people to like me and, and reward me. And to live true to yourself, you have to, at every level, choose what, choose who you are. And, and it doesn't, and it's not like it happens once and then forever after you're free. It's like every single day, uh, mm -hmm. you have to do this. Every single day you mm -hmm. have to make progress, even if it doesn't mean make progress at X. Like I can't make progress at basketball every day because I'm getting older. I'm going to get worse at basketball every day. I, I don't play basketball, but I'm just using that as an <laughs> But uh, despite the uh, five, nine hops that you have. But it actually reminds me of a, of, of a notepad idea I have. I have a couple ideas for you. Um, so you've been watching 1883, right? Yes. And Yellowstone. Yeah, and 1923 is coming out in a few days. Yeah. What do you think of this idea? Um, you know how that's kind of rekindled this notion of of like westerns and and like and like tractor supply company is like seeing this huge explosion and there's whiskey brands and, and whatever all these western themes. Yeah. Okay, I have an idea mapping directly on from uh, Yellowstone onto stay with me the biblical patriarchs. Abraham, Isaac, and Joseph, and Jacob and Joseph. Okay. Oh, it, so the, the Yellowstone. Way, by the way, it totally maps one to one. I'm sure. Yeah. It was inspired by that. Well, it may have been, uh, although you really can't see much of that. But but watching 1883 as I did on a 12 hour flight from Santiago to to Los Angeles, that show. It's it's really it's it's of course there's there's like people dying and there's attacks by Native Americans and then there's this and there uh, there's disease and there's bandits all those themes are happening in the Old Testament in the first book of the five books of Moses called Genesis there's not a single there's only two laws in that whole book that starts it's forty percent of the Torah the Old Testament it only has two commandments <laughs> like uh, be fruitful and multiply and circumcision that's basically and, the, and the rest of the of the Torah has Wait a second. Don't eat the apple. That's in Genesis. That's not one of the 613 commandments, but yes, yeah. The, uh, the, 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 there don't, are, don't all I'm saying is it's, it's all narrative. It's all stories. That's in Genesis. 
<laughs> that's right, onanism. Yeah. Yes, very good. Um, uh, that's actually technically spilling your seed. It's not masturbating, but masturbating does the same thing that onanism does. So in other words, let's not get into right, that. Right. The point is that, that Genesis is all stories, and the other four books of Moses are almost no stories and all laws. So it's kind of interesting. Uh, but but the stories are, you know, there's rape, there's like uh, tribal invasions, there's wars between kings and queens, and and there's uh, takeovers and political dynasties and, and intermarriage, all incredible themes. And, and you can almost map like, John Dutton, you know, today uh, onto like say Joseph when he's become the king of Egypt, effectively the pharaoh, you know, the courtier to the pharaoh saved the life. There's a famine, there's wars. His brothers who sold him into slavery and told his father he had been killed, you know, because they were jealous of his dreams, and he was um, hit upon by the by the pharaoh's wife. It's incredible drama, right? Yeah. So that's 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 Yellowstone. Okay, so Joseph is Yellowstone. Then you go back to 1883, that's Abraham. That's clear. So Abraham, Abraham like sets off into the land. He leaves, he leaves Iraq and he goes to Canaan and Israel. And he has all these battles with the kings and the and the, and his and his son. He has to sacrifice his son. He thinks he's talking to God. He gets divorced from his wife. It's incredible, right? Yeah. The drama. And then uh, Isaac is in there because Isaac is actually the one that we know least about. There's only like two or three chapters about him. And the women in Genesis are the heroes. They are the brilliant ones who tell the the husbands are like kind of bumbling, you know, like they're they're just too ethereal. They're they're talking to God, and the women are like, this this you know kid who's living in our house is going to try to kill our son, and even the twins in my womb, you know, uh, uh, Rebecca, um, you know, says like the one is going to try to kill the other one, Asav and and Isaac and uh, Jacob. Anyway, and then the 1923 is like is Jacob is where you know he goes and. And he settles, you know, he settles the the land and he has these dreams and ladders. And anyway, I thought that I'd like to get your opinion. I actually pitched this to to someone that I don't think you've had on your show, Ben Shapiro, who's become, I've become friendly with Ben Shapiro, who's had a, an incredible year himself. Yeah. And um, and he said, I like the idea, which which I thought was pretty high praise. So I'm going to pitch that to his, he has a whole production company now. Um, and I'm going to pitch it to them as a screenplay. So anyway, what, stay tuned for that. But what, what's the idea? Just Genesis itself, or or another? The, no, like Yellowstone, but but mapped onto the patriarch. So it'd be called Canaan instead of Yellowstone, or, or maybe it would be called Patriarchs. Yeah, and it would be like a multi-series, multi-part, but not like I don't want it to go on forever, like you know, uh, Friends or something. You know, it, it should, be, should very, just be like two years. Like, like look. Uh, Whenever they've done this in other religions, like in in India, when they did the um, Mahabharata as a as a TV series, it was like the most popular TV series in must all see, of it. yeah. So that was must see TV. Yeah, no one's ever done that really. I mean, they've done that about Jesus, but no one's ever done that about. And they've done, of course, the Ten Commandments, but uh, the movie. But nobody's ever done it about Genesis. And you're right. You know, it's so funny, James, is that like people say people say like Kanye West. You know, we'll say, I, I love the way, by the way, that we have to respect his choice of, of name. Like, we have to call him Yay, or it's like not respect. Who cares? This freaking loser, anti semite, oh, you know, I scumbag. I I'm not going to call him Yay. I agree. F it's him. A shame. It's a shame this stuff has come out about him. 
I do think he's like the greatest music producer, at least for hip hop of of all time. You know, regardless, he might be, he might be. But that's again, I just did a video about this guy Fritz Haber, who won the Nobel Prize in Chemistry, who invented fertilization techniques and also invented the you know tools to that created the gas chambers and created chemical warfare. He's called the father of of chemical warfare. And I have this video called "The Man Who Killed Millions and Then Won a Nobel Prize." Um, yeah, but anyway, you. Uh, so you could be very smart, but you can be very evil, right? So intelligence, wisdom, and knowledge are totally different things. Yeah. And, so uh, okay, yeah. so that's one idea that maps. And the reason I think it'll be so successful is that people have this romanticization about the past, like they forget about like how even after seeing like a guy gets bitten. I'm not spoiling it too much, but let's say someone gets bitten by a snake in 1883, right? And then it's like a death sentence. <laughs> like yeah. you sprain your ankle and you're dead. You know, like like we have this, but like sales of cowboy boots and western and and the Airbnb where Yellowstone is shot. You know the the why when the bar let's like rents for like ten thousand dollars a night now. Anyway, people romanticize it. They're moving to Montana. They're changing the culture and the lifestyle. But um, but the same thing could happen. You know, with respect to the Middle East, like the Middle East is kind of having a renaissance. There's more peace there. Maybe not with Palestinians, but but that'll happen. I I hope. Um, but but the rest, you know, UAE, Dubai, the World Cup is in Qatar. You know, it's, it's like almost a renaissance in the zeitgeist that people are getting very, very infatuated with Middle Eastern and the culture and, and the hospitality of the Middle East and, and showing that and how it traces back literally thousands of years. It's not like made up. You can call the, the Bible, you know, whatever you want, but, but the culture, like those things, family dynamics, where the, the, the role of women, the role of children, those are all crystallized back then. I have to say, Airbnb has changed my life. I just love staying in Airbnbs. Like in about a month, I'm going to Cocoa Beach, which is right next to Cape Canaveral. I'm going to watch some rocket launches. I'm going to, of course, be staying in a very nice Airbnb on the beach. And it's just such a great experience. Like the whole world is available to us now because of Airbnb. But whenever I'm at an Airbnb, I always realize, you know, I the home that I left to come to this Airbnb, I could be making money on that right now by hosting and and being an Airbnb myself. So, and I've known people, I had a friend who basically, you know, made a living from turning his home into an Airbnb. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you do have an Airbnb there. And it's an e- it can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The famous Abraham Lincoln quote says, good things come to those who wait. I wonder, did he really say that? Jay, did he really say that? Can you look that up? Regardless of who said it, that's only part of the quote. The full quote is, Good things come to those who wait, but only the things left by those who hustle. Well, if you're a business owner and want the best people on your team, the same applies. And listen, I've interviewed 1,500 people now and a lot of entrepreneurs. I can safely say the one thing consistent among all entrepreneurs and CEOs, the the successful ones, is that 
It's all about the people you surround yourself. You, if you hire well, you're going to have a great business. And, you know, thankfully, ZipRecruiter puts the hustle in your hiring. So you find qualified candidates fast. This is so important, and I, I want you to try it. You could try it as a potential employer or employee. You could try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter's smart technology finds top talent for your roles right away. Immediately after you post your job, if you're hiring, ZipRecruiter's matching technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I will tell you that I signed up on ZipRecruiter as a potential employee. You know, I just wanted to see how it works. And right away, it started matching me with really amazing potential employers. So give it a try at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Let ZipRecruiter give you the hiring hustle you need. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash James to try it for free. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. One thing I'm always interested in is I think, first off, I, I agree. I think the story of Genesis would make a great TV series, whatever. But I would argue if you take any topic and map Genesis onto it, like they did, like you're, you're making the comparison with the Yellowstone, that's going to be successful. So you have to decide, do you want to, the topic to be biblical or do you want to, you could make a, a science fiction space opera like Star Wars. You could map Genesis right. onto onto Star Wars because there's a generational thing happening and there's about, you know, who is inherits the, the, you know, the, the family power essentially. And all these things happen in, in many stories. You know, what, what also is the, the books of, of Samuel, Samuel one and two, I think would make a great series. Cause that's King David, which is arguably the most interesting right. story in the Bible. Cause that's got real, like, you know, palace intrigue and, wars and deception and betrayal. I mean, so does Genesis, but I think, I think even the books of Samuel, even more with King David and King Saul and, and Solomon mm -hmm. and, and then Israel split in half after Solomon. So mm -hmm. we could, we could, you know, what we should do was just take every section of the Bible and turn it into a TV series. Cause <laughs> exactly. Right. So that's one of my ideas. Then the other one. Okay. So what's the problem? Like when people get really famous, right? So they're getting really like, internet famous. And, and people are saying like they'd rather be famous even for doing something bad. And, that, and that's why like Ben Shapiro actually does something important. Where if there's a mass shooting like at the nightclub, the LGBTQ nightclub in Colorado last month, he won't use the name of the shooter. He won't ever mention that. And, and whereas the New York Times, they'll print the name and like, oh, his upbringing and like he can blame right. his mother because he was overweight. He used to not to historically. Well, I look at that, but then then you've got this whole thing where people are, you know, like some people are saying to Elon Musk, like, you better have a food taster. And, you know, like, so, you know, then you get so big that you become like a target and everything you say and you make fun of pronouns, you know, prosecute Fauci and this and that. And like, oh, like, and you get death threats, right? So, um, or you get doxxed. So imagine a service. So this is anti-doxing as a service. A D A A S. Okay, um, and then so so you go out there and you basically do what's called a white hat hacking thing. You like find out everything about Jay, you know, that you can possibly find out, and then um, and then you just like protect him against all these different threat vectors. You know, so like it's, it's basically like insurance against you know Jay getting doxed. You know, like oh he works. You know, he he just moved, you know, back to Malaysia. I don't know. They're just making stuff up. 
So what do you think about that? Like, like as as more things in, in society become more kind of highly prized, like fame, attention, I think it's going to get I, worse. I, like people I, are going to go after like Josh Peck. Like I've become friends with Shua Peck. You know, like he's like has to have security. It's insane. Yeah, no, maybe he's got thirteen million I, I, followers. I think, but I think it's a I think it's a good idea if, if it were possible. It's like sort of like cybersecurity. Like like cybersecurity is an important industry now in society. But as has been described to me by cybersecurity companies, the good guys will never be as good as the bad guys are at creating the threats. And so for doxing, I think it's very hard to to create that as a company. Now you can provide yeah. insurance okay. against doxing. That might be a exactly. So that's right. That that might be an that might be another thing. And then you have to just figure out if someone's gaming that or not. But uh, uh, to prevent it, yeah, you can provide consulting to help prevent it. But it's it's unpreventable. And then the last idea has to do with like uh, this chat um, AI chat GPT. Mm-hmm. Uh, these chat bots, which are which are. Very interesting. Um, I don't think they're quite there yet. I mean, maybe because it's more subjective than like beating somebody in chess or or AlphaGo or whatever, folding a protein simulate. But um, but you have these things. So I guess the the analog would be kind of uh, something that tests for biases in these chats. So like uh, I got one from my brother yesterday. He put in like. Um, what is uh, the Great Reset? And write three paragraphs about the Great Reset and why um, you know Carl Schwab is is trying to have a social credit system implemented. You know, just just for fun, he sent me the, the output of it. It's like that's a myth, and a, a GPT comes back with like that's a right wing talking point that has a. So it's obviously like looking at Wikipedia. So if I ever do a video about COVID, which I have one coming out with uh, Dr. Jay Bhattacharya. I don't know if you know that name. Yeah, um, yeah, he's the he's a, NBA. Oh, he's the Stanford professor who was just um, uh, made news because he was in the Twitter files. He is in the Twitter files, but the reason he was in the Twitter files is because he established what was called the Great Barrington Declaration, which was a common sense protocol that we should work to not do social lockdowns and, and complete society shutdown, which we did do, uh, because that would have ultimately negative downstream consequences on mental health. And physical health and economic health, um, and he's an epidemiologist and a medical doctor at the Stanford Medical School, and he was later targeted specifically by Fauci and Francis Collins, the director of the NIH, and he was called. They called for a takedown of him, and one of his colleagues, Michael Levitt, who's a Nobel Prize winner at Stanford, um, for being fringe. Quote: This is what Collins is. Imagine the like. Basically, uh, the, any boss, the ultimate boss of the world, you know, of this world of academia, he's a director of the NIH, which supplies $50 billion a year in medical research. And he called him a, a, a fringe epidemiologist and that he called for a takedown of them, public takedown, basically calling for a public shaming. And Fauci said, I largely agree. And uh, this is just despicable. So I have a podcast coming out with him. But, okay. um, but when I do the podcast... Uh, YouTube will insert and in YouTube, and this is why I don't like YouTube very much, uh, even though I'm, you know, it's trying to grow my channel's audience. But um, but they'll put a warning and a, a link to Wikipedia. It's just like if you put COVID anywhere in there, here's the thing on COVID. Or if you put in the Great Reset, I did an interview with Neil Ferguson, the historian, also at Stanford, and it, it was about the Great Reset. And the Great Reset is a myth, and it just refers to Wikipedia, which is like wildly as left wing as Twitter ever was. And uh, it'll refer you to there. And so it's GPT chat is just searching Wikipedia. So it's like these biases are just getting like mega, mega amplified. 
No, and so I we need some kind of tool to like, to like an AI tool that's basically going to be the anti-Turing test. So it's a tool that's going to prove that you're a computer. Um, and I don't know how to implement it. I mean, you know much more about computer science than I do. But like, we're going to need some way, just like detecting, you know, oh, this guy Tom Cruise, uh, you know, or Michael Saylor, you know, is telling you to to buy this crap coin. Let me say that, you know, oh, well, this is that this is a deep fake. But we need the, uh, the same thing. We need like deep fake detectors. We need chatbot detectors and and all sorts of things. I think it's going to become very, very, uh, very, very serious pretty soon. I think you you could be right, and I think my solution is to withdraw more and more from social media. And this relates mm-hmm. to our beginning conversation, which is, you know, every day I used to be on social media to try and try to get more followers and engage with my, you know, with, with people and as many people as possible. And, and now I just realize a, not only the uselessness of it, but it just gets me in more and more trouble. And, um, but your point about AI, I just want to tell you on, on notepad, we have an AI, we have GPT three hooked up and, if you need AI based ideas to add to your own list, we haven't, we, you know, coded it up so that you can do that. And so I had a, a bad business idea. I called it bad idea of the day and it was called the podcast family tree. So like, okay. like you've been on my podcast. So, so you're like a quote unquote son of mine on my podcast yep. and Ryan Hall and Jordan Harbinger just to interrupt was the reason that, I was able to come on your podcast. Right. And so I've been on Gordon, and get you on my been on mine. Or let's say Andrew Huberman's been mine and Lex Friedman also had Andrew Huberman. So Lex Friedman and I would be sort right. of like in-laws together of Andrew Huberman. And the idea of the podcast family tree, the business point is that you could see which podcasts are similar to yours, the ones you have the most kind of genetic, quote unquote, you know, genetic material together on, on this family tree. And also it could help you find guests. You could see which podcasts have had guests, which podcasts similar to yours on the family tree have had guests that you haven't had and so on. So anyway. Correct. Yes. Uh, networking. It, yeah. The network of idea. networks. Yeah. It's like Facebook. Yeah. But I had, the, <laughs> I, had, I had the AI generate an additional idea for this list. I kind of, the list was describing the idea. And then I fed in just the phrase podcast family tree to the AI and to have it come up with an idea. Mm-hmm. So it didn't really understand what I was asking. So here's the, here is the idea it came up with. The title of the idea is the family tree of bad ideas. And then it says Mm -hmm. the description of the family tree of bad ideas is how capitalism is ruining our planet. In this podcast, (laughs) explore how capitalism is ruining our planet. We trace its origins back to its creator and see see how it has spawned a new generation of terrible ideas. That was the AI generated idea. It had nothing to do with capitalism when I was asking it, but that was like its impulse. So you're right. It's this like uh, weird bias. That we have to be careful. Yeah, it's funny. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So look, Brian, you, you got to come on the podcast more often. We can't have it be like, you know, one I know. Year. And and we should also yeah, I definitely miss figure out another thing to I'm work on. More- we always were thinking out things to work on. Um, uh, yeah. Well, we had the uh, pod pub, which, you know, we kind of, we should get back to, you know, distilling books. Are you still bullish, you know, on podcasting as a, as a, as the, the you know, a big thing, or you think we're reaching peak podcast? No, I, I'm now I'm we're up to 4 million. I don't see the podcast world growing, but, uh, but podcast, but it's not shrinking either. And, uh, I think there is always a voice for, People want to listen to things when they're driving to work or they're at their gym. They can't watch things. They listen to things then. 
and yeah. they're, they're, they want to hear good ideas and interesting ideas and in, insightful ideas and, and, or good stories, you know, true crime is the biggest podcast category actually. So, so I think there's, I think, you know, people always say books are dead and now they're saying podcasts are dead. None of these things are true. It's just that TikTok is amazing. <laughs> So yeah, you know, I, <laughs> exactly. I, I started to do the short video. I can't get into TikTok. I, I just uh, oh my god. Hey, I think it's going to get shut down. The, the most talented humans on the planet. Okay, whether it's TikTok or Instagram Reels, whatever. The most talented yeah. humans. On the, you see these like kids jumping from building to building, and then doing flips, and then and then other kids doing you know magic that's unbelievable and. It's, it's amazing the talent that finds itself on TikTok. What is going to be the TikTok? I asked a question on Twitter. I was like, what's going to be, what is, you know, what is, uh, now there's post news and then it was Mastodon. Oh. I was like, <laughs> what is post news going to be the Mastodon of, you know, like, because like Twitter's just going to stay, right? I mean, you're pretty, still pretty optimistic about Twitter, even. Oh, with yeah, Elon yeah. No, I think Elon Musk is going to do a great job, but, and he's already doing a great job. But, uh, Notepad, N-O-T-E-P-D.com. This, yeah. The social network of ideas. This is the most actual, insightful social network out there with a great community. I'm, I'm self-promoting because it's my site. Yeah. Uh, no, I love it. I love this site. I too. was, I, I got, I got the Brian. I got the at Brian at Notepad. That's, I got the the premium handle, the five character handle. Yeah. That's thanks to that's, Jay that's, setting it up. You're gonna get um, offers for millions for that. Oh, I know. I'm gonna sell that squatter domain and and uh, squat on that. So um, last question for you maybe is like, it revolves around, so one of the things that's been hard for me is like, I don't, you know, I get paid. I'm a public, you know, university professor. I, I get paid fine. Um, but, you know, obviously I get sponsor opportunities for the podcast. And and you always said, you know, in the, when I was first asking you, like, should I accept this, you know, click, you know, CPM, whatever that stands for, cost per mill. And I said, um, you know, should I accept, you know, a dollar per whatever, uh, $15, yeah. $20. And you were like, well, there's the actual money aspect of it, which is important. But then there's a like, there's kind of the prestige that you are in a category of people that can advertise and monetize your podcast. Right. I think so that is valuable. I, but now, now like it is, it is also an overhead. There's a burden. There's managing expectations. And there's there's like looking for advertisers. Then there's vetting their things. Like, oh, do I no, really want to no do like that. manscaping again? You know, like uh, how much is there left to mow in my lawn? You know, whatever. Like, and, and just for the brand. And like, I'm supposed to be a serious professor. Uh, and then sometimes it'll be some program. Like they'll put in like eBay, and it'll be like 500 decibel loud. You know, like get your Christmas card and whatever. I'm like, well, I'm assigned. Like I've got a Nobel Prize winner on right okay. now. You know. I I, I guess I'm asking you, should I, I don't need the money, you know, necessarily. It's not that much. Um, it is a workload. It is a kind of managerial overhead, a burden bandwidth well, detractor. Okay. So your, your pain point. So let's just look at the pain points first. One is, is there's a reputation thing. You, you, you say you're a serious professor. It looks weird when you're talking about manscaping and whatever. Second is the managerial overhead. Uh, third is what? Uh, the third is. Like giving something away for free on one hand, it could increase your audience, right? Because people like I just skip over even your ads. Like half the time, I'll just fast forward. You know, forty-five second skip. Yeah. You know, I have this thing when I'm listening to Ben Shapiro. I know what he's going to say. Like, but now, and as soon as he says like, but now, like it's forty-five, forty-five, forty-five. You know, and then like he's back, and I don't listen to him. But I'd like to not have to do that. You know, and it would make me more endeared to a podcaster uh, because he's not selling me stuff. He's not the type of person that I have to worry he's going to sell me athletic greens or whatever. Right. So I would say for you, you probably don't 
need to do ads to to you know you have a lot of things like your 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 you, you look me too i probably don't need to have ads but here's the thing first off i still stand by it shows that you're the type of podcast who's big enough that people want to advertise on you and then your content is such that people want to advertise so that's a kind of authority legitimacy but yeah a lot of the, your pain points have nothing to do with ads but like managerial overhead you can use a third party ad placement agency like midroll to do all your ad placements and you could say i don't want to do mm -hmm. any um host red ads i just want to do ones that are read by someone else and placed into the podcast i want to have nothing to do with them mm -hmm. so then you have zero managerial overhead and zero personal stake in what you're averaging. you still have this thing that you are in a category of someone who's pitching you you know to my audience now i'm like yeah, a salesman you uh, personally like you're I'm not a vector to sell them yeah, sure, you, I, I agree. It's one step removed, but like, if let's say I just like, like, like this all-in podcast, uh, you know, I think one of the reasons I like listening to them is, like, you know, if I'm going to sleep, you know, they're I'm not going to get interrupted with some ad for eBay in the middle or some, you know, ad for yeah, for I, I don't think, um, you I don't know, think you need athletic to do, greens. I guess I don't think you need to do ads. One one reason I like to do ads is that um, I also feel everything I do should have at some point should be profitable because that's another way of measuring that I'm doing something that is, I don't want to say worthwhile, but it is doing something that is, no, I know it's some bar that people have said, okay, this is worth it. And the problem with that is that, yes, right. So as long as you're not like, I have to break even or I have to, you know, make money. I think that's when it becomes yeah. like, I got into this for make fun. Unless you're like Joe Rogan or Ben Shapiro, but, uh, or Tim Ferriss or yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or Andrew yeah, Huberman yeah. who but won't come on my show. Like I like to know that everything I do pays for itself. So yeah, I, I wasn't no, always I like, like that. This, this gives me this gives me a good discipline about the quality of what I'm doing, so I don't take it for granted. It gives me a good discipline about you know understanding what to pay people and what you know what different costs are worth it. So so this is only a new philosophy for me, and uh, I I think but it was told to me by Naveen Jain, who's a billionaire who started Infospace in the '90s, and now he has oh, various. Yeah entrepreneurship activities. Cause I asked him, why'd you raise $20 million for your latest business when you're a billionaire? Why didn't you just fund it yourself? Right. <laughs> and he said that if he paid for himself, he would never know if it was, if it really had value. Like, you know, when it has mm -hmm. value when other people value it. So that's true. But I mean, at a certain point, but you only want to know it has value because you want it to be not sunk cost, you know, and, and, and kind of Giving or leaving money on the table or whatever. Like in other words, you could just start a charity, you know, or, no, or whatever. Want, I like, don't want to do that. I want to do a podcast. What do you want to do? In let me ask you a question. Next year. What's like your calendar look like? You're, you know, kind of in all different dimensions, a week scale for the whole year. Like if I had asked myself last year, what, why I want that, I couldn't have imagined how great this year would be with the one major tragedy of losing a very close friend at a very young age with young children. That's put, that's equal to all the bad, good stuff that happened and more. But, you know, I couldn't have fathomed what would happen this year and it's great and I feel blessed. Yeah, what no, are you I, looking I think, forward to next year that's reasonable, that's uh, that's possible to occur? First off, I, I always make predictions for myself at the beginning of the year, and they always change. Like, I remember yeah. 2014 or 2015, I wanted to write a novel, and I ended up getting obsessed with stand-up comedy. 
And that's all yes, I did. I and um, but I'm really excited about I want to really I help so many people with with their writing and I really love it and enjoy it. Like I, I enjoy coaching writing now more than I even enjoy writing. And I'm really excited about making a writing course for on whether I put it on Udemy or or wherever else, I don't know. But I'm Jay and I are videotaping that this coming weekend. The other all thing right, is yeah, that's good. I've been working, you know, when I was a a lad in in the 90s i you know achieved a high chess ranking and my goal is to achieve an even higher one this coming year and then write a book about it because the book has been so fascinating it's not about chess like there's so many things i've experienced on this journey of trying to achieve something i achieved as a 27 year old that it's blown my mind what i, I didn't i learned things i did not realize i'd be learning about myself about the brain about health about ambition all of these things that we've talked about has come from just simply trying to achieve the chess rating i had in the 90s <laughs> so that's kind of like your your metric uh summarizing your metric for next year yeah i guess yeah because me but if I, I do I, that it means i will have put myself through a study program and discipline yes to a level that I've never done before. Like I, it's much harder for exactly. Reason. No, I I get it, and it's and it's kind of like an encrypted, you know, very dense encryption that summarizes a lot of things. And what reminds me of uh, a very famous Russian physicist who was the intellectual son of another great Russian physicist, Yakov Zeldovich. He said that this guy Zeldovich would always tell him, he would say, like when he was a young man, he said, "You must take your son or daughter skiing, like that's your goal in life." And he never knew what the hell he meant. Like, first of all, he was single. Secondly, he didn't have any kids that he knew about. You know, but he was like, what the hell is he talking about? Like, imagine what it means to take your kids skiing. You have to have physical health. You have to have a kid. You have to have, you know, maybe have been married. Oh, even. that's so interesting. Yeah. And, and then you have to have the wherewithal to, oh to my like, God. go there. And that is the perfect isn't that interesting? analogy. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's right. Because like, I realize now I need, I need to think and this I realized a while ago, but I've been needing to think about my nutrition. I've been needing to think about my sleep, sleep. schedule, my my stamina, my energy. So I have to exercise. Studying. Energy. Yeah. And just neuroscience. I've had to learn like what things just at the age of 50 are different than at the age of 27. And I always thought I was very good at learning how to learn, but there's a different level now achieving something at this age that is the industry itself has changed. The chess world has changed, but I've changed. So the discipline is like enormous. It's much more than what right. I thought I needed. It's like, imagine I tell you, James, you're going to come in last in your final race. You're like, what the hell? You know, I don't want to come in last. But if I say, oh, you set the world record for over a hundred year old speed walkers, you'd be like, hell yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, that, that'll be awesome. Like just to know that. So anyway, I wish that you will have at least the fourth power of my chess rating coming this year and that um yeah you won't have to cheat to get there you know with putting something you know uh yeah. in in some orifice of your body as alleged by somebody about somebody else um but i i do wish you all the best and yes i hope that we can uh, we can talk a little bit more frequently and maybe get together i'm gonna i'm gonna uh yeah i'm not gonna i'll, I'll tell you i have a, a really cool kind of adventure that's coming up um in in january february that where, involves, where, where are you uh, going? Something we've talked about well, I'll talk about it later. It's going to be, it's related to Sam Bankman Freed, though. So I'm going to need your advice. I'm going to go visit him. All right. Let's, I want to get him on the podcast, but I, I need some help in, in vetting it. I, he, has, he doesn't know about this at all, by the way, but I'm going to be in his neighborhood. So I figured I'd, I'd give it a try. The Bahamas? Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, 
Look, Brian, once again, such a great time having you on the podcast. And I actually had a bunch of science questions for you, but we should do another one in a month where yeah, I because I always get these articles like turns out time in the universe never really exists. I get these weird like a right. physics wormhole thing. was created in the lab in a quantum computer. You're like, yeah, it's all these words I have, salads together. I have all these like I want to, you know, things that I really want to learn what they mean. Because I, I want to be your uh, your house your sign. I want you to treat me like I treat my grad students. I, Just, I believe know, totally exploited it. Like I will do that. <laughs> All right. Okay, my Ryan. So well, happy good, Hanukkah. Have Merry Christmas, everybody out there. And uh, yeah, can't wait to talk to you again soon. Okay, talk to you later. Bye. Bye.